Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And Solid Rock, nice to have you with us tonight. Uh, you are here at my invitation, not because this is, yeah, welcome to, yeah, you know what? This looks so good. Let's just have you guys in here every Wednesday, okay? Man, you should see the frowns I'm getting from, uh, what's that girl's name there, Rainy? Uh, not because this is a youth sermon. This is, I didn't have you guys come in here because I'm preaching to you. Just some of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing. I thought, you know, the whole church, as many uh, as possible, need to hear this. And uh, there's one point where I'll, I will say, hey, Solid Rockers, you listen to this. But I want you to listen to the whole thing, all right? Uh, I'm going to speak tonight about healing and, and specific, even more specifically prayer and healing and even more specifically than that, praying for others. And, um, you know, when we introduced the fast a couple of weeks ago, we put a big emphasis on unity and praying in agreement with one another and praying for one another. And I know it struck a chord with a lot of people, really kind of, uh, I know several of you, uh, uh, you were excited. Matt, Matt uh, Gordon wrote a, a tremendous uh, devotional on that subject, a great illustration of what happens, how we bear one another's burdens when we pray for one another. And I'm going to share something tonight that I believe uh, is an important element of that. And I know we've looked at it before, and, and we may not have looked at it since then, but we did look at this story, this incident, back when we were in Genesis. Remember when we started going through the Bible all those years ago? Uh, and uh, we did look at this story, I'm pretty sure, and we've probably looked at it since then. But I want to caution you before we get to it that what I'm introducing and what I'm talking about tonight is not a formula. We see things, we see incidents, and we see truths in Scripture. Uh, and it's, I think there's a special risk when we're talking about prayer. And we see an example of prayer that works, and we see instructions for prayer, that we are looking for a formula where maybe we've been praying for something, maybe we've been wishing and longing for something, and we say, aha, this is why it hasn't worked. I'm not arranging my words this way. I'm not doing it this way. We, we kind of want a formula for everything. And, and there's a balancing act. Uh, but the, the Word of God has so much to say about healing, so much, in fact, that I think, apart from salvation itself, healing is the central truth of the gospel, apart from salvation itself. Uh, and and I, I know it's a bold statement, it's a big statement, but I guess when it comes right down to it, when we want to know what God is like, you know, the disciples, they asked, they asked Jesus, show us the Father. Uh, who's that, Philip? Uh, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough. And what did Jesus say? If I've been with you this long and you still don't know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Colossians tells us that Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father. In other words, what the Bible's saying, if you don't want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. We have, a, we have all of Scripture that tell us what he's like. We see the, the Old Testament and the New. We see how God deals with situations. We hear him speak. We, we read him speaking. And so we know uh, what his holiness looks like. But the best picture, the best revelation we have of God the Father is God the Son, Jesus Christ. And what did he do for the three years that he ministered uh, on earth in human form? The things he did everywhere 
He preached, he taught, and he healed. Now, he also uh, multiplied loaves and fishes. He did that at least twice that we know of. He walked on the water. He did other miracles. Uh, But he healed everyone who came to him for healing. And so what does this tell me about what God thinks about sickness? Uh, That God's response to sickness is to heal. Now, there are questions. There are questions that I can't answer. And broadly speaking, the question is, well, then, why doesn't everybody who pray uh, who prays gets get healed i don 't know there are a number of things, and I know that for some uh, for many people uh, it 's because uh, and again, this is not the formula, but because we pray uh, without expecting and we 're going to talk about that tonight we 're going to talk about faith, but um, the Bible does tell us that there are certain things we have to believe and put into practice if we expect to see results from our prayer life. But we also have to remember that our prayers are based on our relationship with God and not on a prayer formula. And I keep using that formula. Let me give you uh, that word formula. Let me give you an example. We use the phrase in Jesus' name. People say, well, if you're not praying in Jesus' name, your prayers don't work. All of our prayers have to be in Jesus' name. Where do we get this idea? Well, it, from Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. This is verse 13, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And uh, let's see, there was something right around that. Give me a second. Pull these things out. Uh, no, the very next verse, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. And so there are two, and, and really, if you read through that whole passage there, you see Jesus saying the same thing. Uh, don't come and ask me for it. Go to my Father and ask for it in my name. So when we pray, we say, whatever it is we're praying for, this is how we end our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so it almost becomes like a code phrase where it doesn't matter how scripturally correct my prayer is. It doesn't matter how heartfelt or fervent my prayer is. If I don't use the magic phrase at the end of it, the whole prayer is invalid because I didn't say in Jesus' name. And it is important to pray in Jesus' name, but it's more important to understand what that means. First of all, let's see the balance here because if Jesus says, whatever you ask for in my name, I'll give it to you. Well, that's, a, that's pretty much a blank check, but let's look at some uh, balancing scriptures here. In 1 John, and this is probably my favorite passage on prayer, uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. 1 John five fourteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's pretty bold stuff, pretty strong stuff. We have whatever we have asked of him if we know he hears us. And we know he hears us if we ask according to his will. How do we know what his will is? This is the number one way. And we'll talk about what that has to say about healing here in just a minute. And... uh, in James chapter 1 
we looked at this verse just last week or so. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, here's what we know about prayer, just from these passages. We must know his will. We must ask according to his known will. And we must ask in faith. In other words, believing and expecting the answer yes. Expecting to receive the things we're asking for. And we do all of this in Jesus' name. And what that means is we are simply asking according to Jesus. Uh, because of Jesus. On Jesus' authority. If, uh, if uh, Brian needed uh, a pickup truck, Brian tells me he's got a project coming, and I tell him, hey, you could probably use a truck. You can use mine. Uh, I'm not going to be home. I'll leave the keys in it. You just go knock on the door, and you tell my wife, hey, Scott said I could use the truck. And I also tell my wife, hey, Brian's going to come by. He's going to pick up the truck. I told him he could. So when he comes, he doesn't just come up and knock on the door and say, hey, I'm taking Scott's truck. What does he do? He tells Beth, can I have the truck? Scott said I could. I'm asking you for the keys to the truck in Scott's name. That's what it means. When we go to God, Jesus has already said these things belong to you. But this is how we do it. How, how do we know these things? Uh, how do we know these things are ours? Well, Jesus said we could have them. Jesus tells the Father. And, and this, is we, but this is what we do. But again, it's, a, it's not a matter of formula. It's a matter of relationship. I am comfortable going to God with these requests because Jesus said I can have them. Does that make sense? That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Now, when it comes to healing, we go back to step one. Know his will. And this is why if you go to like Keith Moore's website, for instance, and you look for uh, teachings on healings, there's a ton of them. And there are a whole series, not just by him, but many other preachers, on God's will to heal. It's not necessarily a series of here's how you get healed. It's a matter of driving home and nailing down the truth that God wants you healed. Because everybody who believes in God knows God can heal. Everybody who believes in Jesus knows that Jesus did heal and has the power. What really stands in a lot of people's way, and I understand most of us know better, is are we convinced God wants us healed? Well, maybe God's trying to teach me something. Um, maybe God's punishing me. And so once again, we look at the ministry of Jesus. Did he ever refuse healing to anybody? He did not, not even once. Even when the multitudes came, what does it say? He healed them all. So we need to be, we need to be convinced uh, that it's God's will before we ask for healing. Because if we're not convinced that it's his will, going back to 1 John 5, 14 and 15, then we don't know he hears us. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have those petitions. But if we don't know that it's will... If we don't know that we're praying according to his will, how do we even know he hears the prayer? So be confident that whatever you're praying for, you know that it's God's will. And then, if I can be satisfied that God's will is for me to be healed, I can pray in faith. I can pray expecting to be healed. Also, we recognize, and I know this is review for an awful lot of you, but it never hurts to hear this. It doesn't hurt you to hear it again and again. I've probably heard it more than you, and I still never get tired of hearing it that all of the work was done 
Everything that was necessary for you to be healed was done at the cross. Those stripes on his back were there. The the beating that he took that produced those stripes was to purchase your physical healing. Also, Jesus gave his disciples and us authority over sickness, over all kinds of diseases, along with all uh, evil spirits. When When he sent his disciples out, he commanded them, go, cast out demons, heal the sick. And there's another thing. It didn't say go out and and pray for the sick and see if God heals them. It says go out and heal the sick. Does that mean we can't pray for them? It doesn't mean that at all. It simply means when we pray, we expect the healing work to be manifest. We expect it to be done. Uh, Jesus said, uh, Jesus laid hands on the sick many, many times. And Mark's version of the Great Commission says these signs will follow those that believe. And one of the things it says is they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And James says this about healing. I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff at you here. In James chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's a lot of good promises and good precedent there. Uh, But if we're looking for a formula, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to pray? Are we supposed to lay hands? Are we supposed to anoint with oil? Or are we supposed to just take authority? It's any and all of the above. Again, it's not about a method. It's not about a formula. It's about believing and and expecting. He has given us a number of ways to obey him and a number of ways to express our faith in obedience by anointing with oil, laying hands on the sick, speaking, laying hands, uh, uh, praying. And uh, we've spoken often also about the power of our confession, the words of our mouth. You know, uh, the, the Word of God tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So it's very, very important that we say what God says about us, about our circumstances, including about our sickness. So say with your mouth, by his stripes, I have been healed. And say it daily. Why do I say that? When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer, what uh, is more uh, properly referred to as the model prayer. This is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, what? What's the next phrase? This day, our daily bread. Now, God is God and God can do anything. Wouldn't it just save a lot of time If we just prayed today, God, give us for the rest of our lives bread. Give me everything I'm ever going to need. Then think about that. Uh, If the Lord's Prayer, if I can say the Lord's Prayer in 15 15 seconds, and I add those up for the rest rest of my life, think how much time I'd have to do other stuff. But Jesus taught them to pray daily. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Interestingly, Jesus also refers to healing as the children's bread. And so it's important to speak these things daily over yourself. I've I've shared with you many times my healing confession. I speak it over myself every day. Speak it over my family. Uh, And when you think about things like the armor of God and his protection and his provision and all the things that he promises and offers us and how little time it really takes 
When you wake up in the morning and say, Father, I receive that. By faith, I reach out and I receive the protection that you promised me in your word. I receive healing for me and my family. I thank you for abundant provision. I thank you for everything I need. I thank you for the wisdom that you promised that's going to be manifested in my life. Riley can tell you. Uh, pray, a, uh, pray this over him uh, on the way to school every day. And we'll, just, we'll spend that little bit of time together speaking these things. Uh, and, in fact, w- when we talk about forgiveness and God's mercy and how important it is, what do we, what, what do we, uh, what's uh, the great scripture say? God's mercies are new, how often? Every morning. And we're thankful for that if we blow it every single day. Ah, today is a brand new day, brand new mercies. Guess what? It's a brand new day with, with a full supply of healing, provision, protection, wisdom, everything you need to be the success that God has promised you will be, has called you to be. So, here is the thing I wanted to share with you. Abraham, father of the faith, the great patriarch, the one that God called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, told him to go to a land that I will show you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you descendants that are going to outnumber the stars in the heaven or the sand on the seashore. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's speaking about Jesus coming as a, as a direct descendant of Abraham. But Abraham was, was not a young man when God called him out of Ur into the land of Canaan, what would be uh, his people's land. And he had no descendants. He's talking about all these descendants. Abraham didn't have one descendant. They had no child. He needed a son. So he made this promise. You're going to have these descendants. And then uh, 15 years later, he comes and confirms the promise. Didn't fulfill it yet. At this point, Abraham, at the time he comes back, 15 years later, now Abraham's 90, Sarah's 80, and he says, I will give you a son. Then 10 years after that, we read where Abraham is journeying uh, and and settled briefly in in a place called Gerar, and the king of this land was a man named Abimelech. Now, it's funny to think about this today, but you have to understand they lived a lot longer back then. Here's Abraham, 90, with his 80-year-old wife. Sorry, now nearly 100, and his 90-year-old wife. And they go into this land, and he says to Sarah, you're very beautiful, and I don't want the men of this country to kill me just so they can have you. So let's just pretend we're brother and sister. So Abimelech says, hey, who's that? Well, it's my sister. Oh, well, if she's sister, you wouldn't mind if she married me. Takes her home. And then Abimelech has this dream. And you've heard me talk about this before, but we all think about how cool it would be if God would speak to us in dreams. And Abimelech has God speak to him in a dream. Remember what he said? Behold, you are a dead man. (laughs) Because this woman you've taken belongs to my man Abraham. And you need to give her back. And Abimelech's like, I didn't know. I did this. I did this. You're going to kill me because of something I didn't know. What are you going to do? Slay a whole righteous nation? And God says, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. That's why you're still breathing. But you need to restore her post haste. So Abimelech goes back and says, why? Did you know you nearly got me killed with your lie? Why would you do that to me? What did I ever do to you? Here's your wife. Here's a bunch of animals. Here's a bunch of money. 
Now, feel free to stick around. (laughs) But God told Abimelech, uh, this man is a prophet. Somebody who represents me to you. And I'm going to have him pray for you. And then you'll live. So then, this is what happens. They make up. And then in Genesis, we can go back to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis 20, beginning in in verse 17, it says, So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, we don't know. We read this one chapter. I don't know how long they dwelt in the land of Gerar. I don't know how long this had been a problem. But one of the things that happened as a result of this illicit relationship Uh, was that God had caused the women to be barren in this land. Nobody was having babies. So when Abraham prayed, oh, guess who else is not having babies, by the way? Sarah. It's been 25 years now since they had been promised. 25 years they've been believing for this. And they're still believing. Sarah is menopausal by now. And it's getting harder and harder to believe. And now this this place where they are, they recognize that nobody's getting pregnant, and Abraham prays and opens up the womb of 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 the women in Abimelech's land because of Abraham's prayer for their barrenness. And look at what happens. The very next thing it talks about in chapter 21, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now this is why I emphasized not to look for a formula because the Bible does not specifically point out a cause and effect relationship here, but it was when Abraham prayed for someone else with the same problem that he and Sarah had, that that he and Sarah got what they had been believing for. For 25 years, they are believing the promise of God, believing that they are going to have a son, aching for a son, longing for a son, wanting to see God's will fulfilled in their life for 25 years. And then they pray for somebody else who had been barren for a lot less time. And God not only heals the people they're praying for, but then opens Sarah's womb as well. I was visiting Dad in the nursing home yesterday. It was kind of a, just an ad hoc visit. I wasn't scheduled to go in there, but I bought something while I was in town. I wanted to drop it off, and we got to talking. He was in a pretty good mood. And uh, I, think he, I think he said he'd been talking to you, Daryl, and he, was, he said he'd been thinking a lot about Jenny. And he said, you know that, that thing that landed Jenny in the wheelchair came on her so suddenly... And it's been far too long already. But I think if we're not careful, we can be, well, it's been this long she's been in the wheelchair. It'll probably take her that much longer to get out now. That thing can leave her suddenly. That's what I want us to be believing for. But what grabbed me, and he, didn't, he wasn't talking about this. It's just what I started thinking as soon as I left. Here's Dad, who's believing for a healing in his own body. And we're all believing with him. And he's praying for somebody else. Just because you are overwhelmed with something doesn't mean you cannot pray for somebody else. 
We cannot afford to slip into the attitude or the mindset of, I can't, I've got no faith, I've got no prayers to spare for anybody else because my life is too messed up right now. When I'm out of this, when I'm healed, I'll pray for your sickness. When, When I am out of debt, I'll pray for your finances. When my family is whole and right and everybody's serving Lord, then, uh, serving the Lord, then I'll pray for you and your family troubles. There is plenty of power available for all of it. And it's not, it, it, we, it's not either or. It's not like, well, you can't pray for yourself. If you're praying for yourself, you're being selfish. God will only heal you if you pray for somebody else. That's not the formula either. It's not a formula. We absolutely should and can be and ought to be praying for ourselves as well. But if you're fighting something, if you're fighting a sickness, uh, that really, one, the one that's kind of a, maybe a, a weird way of looking at it, but the one advantage it gives you is you can pray more passionately, more compassionately, more fervently uh, for somebody who is in your situation because you know what they're going through. You can pray more specifically because you're in that situation. Young people, this is the part where I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to everybody. There's an awful lot of us that have not completely outgrown this. But listen, I know, because I have kids in the youth group, that there are pockets and there are episodes and there are times when there is a little bit of uh, drama. Can I get an amen? There's gossip. There's backbiting. And I want you to understand a couple of things. And again, this is for everybody. Don't just look at the kids. I'm not speaking to you, but I'm probably speaking to the people on either side of you. (laughs) First of all, this. When you say something bad about my kid, even if you're right, I get offended for them. No matter who you are talking about, you're talking about God's kids. And you're talking about a daddy who is very, very protective of his children. You do not want to make God mad at you for that. If there's something wrong with your brother or your sister or your neighbor, for those of you who are not believers yet, would you consider praying for them? Would you? you may, you've maybe heard it said this way. It's a lot more effective to speak to God about people than it is to speak to people about God. Certainly more effective than to speak to people about people. You guys something I have believed and love and appreciate for years. Youth, you have so much talent and so much energy and so many gifts that we need. But there has to be character development for all of us before we can serve in certain places. If you're saved, if you're a believer... If you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, you are saved. But if you are saved, you are saved for a purpose. God saved you to do something, not just so you wouldn't go to hell. And if you're here, there's something you can do here 
and I want you to do it. And again, this is not just for you guys, it's for everyone. In order for you to be effective and truly useful in the kingdom of God, or for that matter, truly useful at Living Word Family Church, we have to get past ourselves. And the reason I singled you guys out, and maybe, man, I, maybe I'm completely wrong. I just, looking back, and I've thought about this for years. I have just, you can just sort of see, sort of track yourself as you grow out of certain things. But the fact is that when you are a baby and when you're a toddler, when you're little, as far as you know, the whole world revolves around you because everybody has to do everything for you. And it takes us a while to grow out of that. And, and even as, as young men and women, there's still an element there that the world kind of revolves around me. Me, me, me. The me monster, right? But love is others-centered. Love the Lord, love others, then love yourself. It's all right to love yourself. Just don't worship yourself. Don't be self-centered. Be God-centered and then focus on giving and praying and serving others. Look at this. Speaking about effective prayer. You're looking for stuff. You're looking for uh, things that make you happy. As if your happiness is the most important thing in the world. I'm not just talking to you guys. Uh, James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The reason there is so much drama, so much backbiting, so much fighting is because you are too focused on getting the things and experiencing the things and living in a way that pleases you. And you get mad when you don't get them. And it makes you even madder when somebody else does have them. And so you fight and you war. And grown-ups haven't outgrown this. That's why we fight in war. War for real. And he's saying, the reason you don't have the stuff that you want is because you haven't asked for it. You're trying to obtain it. You're trying to get it for yourself. Have you ever bothered to pray for it? And somebody says, well, yeah, I prayed for it, and I didn't get it. That's because you're asking with the wrong motives. You need to be asking for things, asking God to do things in you, give things to you that make you a blessing to other people. And instead, we're saying, I want this because it'll make me happier. That is one of the big secrets of life. You will never know. I promise you, you will never know what true joy and true happiness is until you have given of yourself for somebody else's joy and happiness. Back to healing for a second. We are going to pray for the sick tonight. There's a lot of sickness going around. So I'll tell you this by way of preparation. If you are fighting something physically, there's a sickness, I don't care if it's a cold, I don't care if it's cancer, I don't care if it's anything in between. If you're fighting something in your body, if it's an injury, I want to pray for you. Because the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
So I want you to come up here. When, when, when I have you stand, we, when we start singing, I'm going to invite you to come up here, and I will pray for you. I want you to come up here expecting to be healed. But those of you who aren't coming up for prayer, don't check out. This isn't going to take long. You know how I don't do long, protracted healing lines. I pray, I might put my hand on your head or on your shoulders or on your hands and just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Receive your healing. So come up here ready to receive. Come up here knowing that it's God's will for you to be well. Uh, But during that time, if you're not going to come up here, if you don't need prayer uh, for healing, that's great. Would you pray from where you are? Would you, when you sing along, would you truly worship the Lord? Just thank him for the healing power that's present in this place tonight because he's here, and he's the healer. That means healing power is present, right? So don't just sit there and go, well, this is over now. I don't need prayer for it. Wish they just let me go. No, we want you to contribute your faith-filled prayers to this moment. It's important. This ain't about you, unless it's about you, unless you're up here getting up here for a healing, right? Go ahead and stand up. You can stand there and pray in the Spirit, worship the Lord. You can stretch out your hand and pray specifically for the people I'm praying for. That's great. The first thing I want to ask you is this. Are you saved? Healing is God's will for his children. Salvation is his God's will for everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul, put, Paul said, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity separated from God. Saved from hell. You want to go to heaven? You need to get saved. You want to live forever with the God who created you for himself? You need to be born again. If you've never made that decision, well, what is that decision? Uh, You mean when I was baptized? You mean when I was confirmed? No, I mean when you personally prayed to God, recognized that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. And he had to die for you because you couldn't pay that price. The only payment for our sin was the death of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who could pay it. So he did. And if we accept that gift, if we accept that sacrifice for us, we're saved. We give him lordship of our lives. If you've never made that decision, anybody in here, I want you to do that first. If you are a born-again child of God, healing is your portion. It's part of your birthright. It's part of the package of salvation. Now, you can lay hands on a sinner. But healing is something you personally can believe for and expect if you are a child of God. It's part of your inheritance. So I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And then as soon as I'm done, you need to get saved, come up here. You need healing in your body, come up here. I'm going to, I know the, but I'm looking around here. I know most of the people are in here and saved. There's a few people over here I don't know, so I don't know that for sure. So I know that most of the people coming up here are probably coming up here for healing. If you're up here to get born again... Grab me and say, Pastor Scott, I need to get saved. I need to get my life right. I need Jesus. Let me know, and that's what I will pray with for you, uh, pray for with you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, the, for your word. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your presence in this place now. Thank you for being the God who heals us. And right now, I thank you for being the God who saves us. And I pray if there's anybody in here, anybody in the sound of my voice who does not know you as Father, does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would come to know you tonight, that they would enter into that life-saving, life-changing relationship 
because of the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you also for your healing presence in this place. I thank you for gifts of healing in operation, and I thank you for your great and precious promises. I thank you for the stripes of Jesus that purchased healing for your sons and your daughters, and we receive it by faith tonight because of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.